This morning's scripture reading comes from 1 Kings chapter 16, verses 29 and 30. In the 38th year of Asa king of Judah, Ahab the son of Omri became king over Israel. And Ahab the son of Omri reigned over Israel and Samaria 22 years. Now Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. Okay, praise God. Thank you. Praise the living God. Um, we're going to come back to those verses so you can turn to uh, 1 Kings chapter 16. 1 Kings chapter 16. And while you're turning there, what we want to talk about is um, finding strength when you most need it. Okay, and sometimes we, we may feel inadequate about things that are going on in our lives and we may feel that we are incapable of getting through a particular time that's going on in our lives and and we just feel weak and being a Christian this happens quite often in our lives because just because we are Christians it does not mean that we don't have challenges amen I'm sure everyone in the room can attest to that we still have challenges Um, we have all seen and felt God's hand in our lives we've all seen miraculous things that God has done we've all seen how God has blessed us with things when we've been most um, diligently seeking answers you know we've seen how when things were, were, were challenging either with finances or anything else going on in our lives God has always come through and we've seen that and at the time that it happened we were overjoyed and we fell on our knees and we praised God and at least I hope you fell on your knees and praised God and thanked him for all the blessings you know But then it seems that once you defeat the enemy and God is victorious in your life, there comes again something else. You know, another wave comes upon you that brings more difficulty into your lives. And many times then you start feeling, oh, 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 so insignificant. Hard to say that ten times. You start feeling so insignificant again and you start struggling. And some some amount of fear may even come into your life. Oh, gosh, what am I going to do? How am I going to, you know, how am I going to make it through? Even though God moved mightily in your life before. Okay? There were things in your life before. They may have been five years ago, a year ago, or just six months ago. But yet still, when this new thing comes into your life, fear can come back on you again. And you start feeling like, I'm not going to make it. Well... Rest assured, you're not the only one. Some of the mightiest people in the Bible also went through a similar thing. And today we're going to look at, at Elijah, one of the most powerful prophets in in Old Testament. So reading with, with 16, we're going to analyze here what happened with, with Elijah and how he also went through a spirit, went through a, a period of having this fear. But as the Word of God always shows us, you know, through the many things in the Word of God that may be challenging and difficult for us to read and to hear and to feel and to understand. There is always something in the Word of God that gives you the answer, that gives you the reason why and gives you the way out, okay? Unlike the devil, when the devil does something in your life and you feel that hopelessness, all right, that's condemnation because the devil says, see, this happened to you, you failed, there is no way out, you're done, and that's it. The Word of God, on the other hand, shows us things, shows us challenges, and how we can relate those things to our lives. But then God also, in His Word, shows us the way out and gives us the answer, okay? Because God wants us to see that, irregardless of challenges that may come into into our lives, that He's the answer, okay? This mighty man of God, Elijah, went through a similar period, okay? So, 1 Kings 16, and this time I want to go back to verse number 28, Okay, and then we'll read through what Brother Brandon read and continue. So starting with verse 28, chapter 16, verse 28. 
So Omri slept with his fathers and was buried in Samaria, and Ahab, his son, reigned in his stead. Please underline Ahab, because we're going to look at him for a little bit here. And Ahab, his son, reigned in his stead. And in the thirty and eighth year of Asa, king of Judah, began Ahab, the son of Omri, to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria twenty and two years. Twenty-two years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all who were before him. Please underline that. Ahab, um, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all who were before him. So he sinned more than all of those that were before him. And it came to pass um, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took as his wife Jezebel. Please underline, he took as his wife Jezebel the daughter of Ephbaal, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. Please in a line, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. First of all, this woman that he married, Jezebel, was this daughter of Ephbaal, who was one of the, 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 Sidon, the Sidonians. And, and with that marriage, he went on and started serving Baal. Okay? Baal was one of those um, uh, uh, pagan gods. All right? Baal means prince. Um, Baal is also continued, considered to be one of the uh, chief demonic uh, princes of darkness, if you will. And so this was no small thing for him to start worshiping the devil, in essence. All right. So this is where, where Ahab was leading them. Uh, verse 32. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made an idol, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all of the kings of Israel who were before him. So please underline that again. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. In his days did Hiel the Bethelite build Jericho. He laid the foundation of it in Abraham, his firstborn, and set up the gates of it in his youngest son, Segub, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke to Joshua by the son of Nun. Okay? So this gives us a background here of how we see uh, what Ahab had done as a leader of Israel, worshipping the house of Baal. And so obviously Baalism, or the practice of Baalism, was, was a big thing. I mean, it had a temple and it had a whole lot of followers. Okay? Well, then now, move ahead to Kings 18. Just moving ahead one chapter to Kings 18. Okay, and we're going to see our, uh, Elijah coming into the picture. Chapter 18, verse number 17. Now, all of this Baalism was indeed going on. All right, so now Elijah comes into the picture. Uh, 18, verse 17. And it came to pass, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he who troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou, or you, and your father's house, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Okay, so in other words, he's saying, it's not me, that the, the prophet who is troubling Israel, it's you, because of the door that you've opened in worshiping Baal. Um, I don't want to go there now, but in the previous uh, chapters in verse 17, it talks about how God told Elijah to go to, this, to go to this land, to go to this man and talk to him. In the meantime, this is where Elijah, uh, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, went and, 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 dwe and dwelt with that widow who didn't have food to, you know, and Elijah said, you give me, the, make me a cake first, and, you know, do for God first, etc. And Elijah was following the prompting of the Holy Spirit, telling him where to go. All right, and when he dwelled in with that widow, and she followed God and, and fed Elijah, 
because of the fact that Elijah was there. When her son fell ill and died, Elijah brought him back to life. You see? So this is what happens when we follow what God directly tells us to do. So Elijah saw these things happening, and now he's going here to confront Ahab with what's been going on there. And Ahab is saying, why are you coming to cause trouble to Israel in, in 17 and 18? And Elijah is saying, it's not me that's causing the problem. It's you, because you're not following God's command. You're taking God's children into worshiping after demonic things. Okay? Verse 19. Now, therefore, send and gather to me all Israel uh, unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the idols, of the idols, 400, who eat at Jezebel's table. Jezebel is a whole sermon in itself. You know, you may have heard the name Jezebel. It's always associated with a bad woman and so forth. Well, I mean, there's a whole, whole story there behind it, too, but I want to stay focused on what's happening with Elijah. So, in verse 20, so Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. So they refused to commit. What he's basically saying is make up your mind. Either you're going to follow God or you're going to follow the devil. You're going to follow this, this devil-worshipping Baal. Okay? And the people just refused to say anything. Then said, said uh, Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. So what he's saying is that it is only I that is remaining faithful to God. So when you are in an environment where everyone else is following something else or is doing something else or is believing something else, how strong are you to be the only person that is still following God? All right? Regardless of what the population may be doing or following, you know? And I see that coming upon us very, very um, sneakily today. If you follow what's going on around the world and you see what's going on in the news and with the persecutions against Christians, you know, and this political correctness that is creeping in, it's very easy, you, easy for you to be in your, in your place of business, where it's a good example, or in school, where people are so quick to follow what is so-called, quote-unquote, the correct thing to do, whereas it's almost a downer now for you to even talk about God, and God forbid you have a Bible on your desk, you know. So when the population around you starts turning against God, as we see so evident today, or at least, to put it mildly, they're not really supportive of God, how bold are you? Are you willing to be like an Elijah and say, it is only I that is following God and doing the right thing, all right? And Elijah said, he said, all right, well, let's figure this out. If God is really God, then let him be God. If this Baal is God, then let him be God. Make up your mind what is it that you want to do. Okay? So he said in verse 22 again, It is only I remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. So there's more of them. Let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under it. Okay? Put no fire under it. And call ye on the name of your gods. I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Okay, now, if we were in a situation where you could actually, you had to do something like that, something similar. You know, and I mean, if you wouldn't be sacrificing bulls and cutting up bulls, but say some other thing, you know, you said, okay, let's do a challenge here. You know, I'll take my so-and-so and put it here. I'll take, you take your thing and put it here. And you call on whoever that thing is that you're talking to, and I'll call on God, and whoever does this thing will be God. How many of us would have enough confidence in God to do that? 
All right. All right. How many of us would have enough confidence to know that if you needed God to, 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 to make a statement like that, that God would? You see, because if you don't have that kind of confidence, then you cannot have confidence for God to do things in your life. If you can't have confidence to, to make a statement when it's needed, then how much confidence can you have for God to turn things around when things are going difficult in your life? Amen? So Elijah knew who he was. He was very, very comfortable with his relationship with God. You know, which, which, which when reading this for the hundredth time, you know, again, in preparing the message for today, I said, gee whiz, if that was me, how bold would I be? How much would I know that 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 God was going to do what I'm proposing to do here? Amen? So, so whoever does the fire thing, then, you know, then, you know let, him, let him be considered God. Verse 25. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many. And call on the name of your gods and put no fire under it. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon. Please in the line, they called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. Please in the line, but there was no voice. Okay? They called on Baal, hear us, but there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. So first they started calling on this Baal. There was no answer. So then now they decided, let's go jump up and down on the altar. And it came to pass at noon, so now they're going from morning until noon, that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking or he is pursuing or he is in a journey. Or perhaps he sleeps and must be awakened. You know, so now Elijah's mocking them. They're saying, you're doing all this calling on Baal. I mean, can you imagine all of the 400 and some odd people now? Can you imagine the shouting and then the, the, the ruckus that was going on them jumping up there? So he's saying, well, where is he? Maybe he's off pursuing or maybe he's sleeping. Verse 28. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with swords and lances till the blood gushed out upon them. So first they started calling. Calling out to him, that didn't work. So he started jumping up and down on the altar, and they're raving and they're ranting and screaming out to Baal. Then they said, "Okay, now let's start cutting ourselves." You know, and you see, and that's part of that whole demonic practice too. That's why I don't want to get off into a sermon here, but into a sidetrack. But there are people, especially youngsters, that get into this thing with the cutting. You know, where they're cutting themselves. If you know someone that's like that, or you're involved with someone like that, they need deep spiritual prayer. Amen? I mean, it's self-mutilation. But this is what it really goes back to. I mean, this is an ancient practice here uh, under demonic influence where people will cut themselves and drawing blood because this is what the devil would have you do. The devil would have you destroy yourself. You know, so this is a very serious thing. And very, very rarely is it treated as a spiritual condition. You know, I mean, it'll be treated by psychiatry or psychology, which is also appropriate. But it, or there needs to be some deep spiritual look at this because it's spiritual in nature. This is not a new practice. This goes back to the, the, to the, to the deepest demonic practices that you can see where people cut themselves to draw blood because the, the Bible says that the life is in the blood. Well, spiritual, the demonic side knows that also. But anyway, so not to get sidetracked. But you see, as is appropriate for demonic worshipers to do, um, they started cutting themselves and blood gushed out upon them. Verse 29 says, And it came to pass when midday was passed, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. All right? So it came to pass when midday 
was gone. And they, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening that there was neither voice nor, nor any answer nor any that regarded. So in all of that stuff going on still, there was nothing from this Baal, from this God Baal, this Prince Baal. And Elijah said unto all the, all the people, come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob. Please underline that. Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. Saying, Israel shall be thy name. And when the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order, and cut the bullock in pieces, and laid it on the wood, and said, Fill four barrels with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice, and on the wood. Now, remember here, the whole purpose here was to ignite this thing. Okay, where there was no fire, they were going to pray to God to ignite this wood. They were going to pray to Baal to ignite the wood. He's going to pray to God to ignite the wood. On top of that, he wet the wood. Okay, so he took it a step further. He said he poured wood, water all over the sacrifice in the wood. And he said, do it in the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah, the prophet, came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Please highlight or put a bracket around all of that, please. Let Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Please underline. Then the fire of the Lord fell. And consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust. And licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. You see? So he simply said a simple prayer. Just, just stating who God indeed really is. And God honored that prayer. You see? And so when things are, are challenging in our lives, all we need to do is to remember God's word and to remember the promise that he made to you. And God will, God will always answer you. He will always. You don't have to be cutting yourself. You don't have to jump up and down. You don't have to do a whole lot of ranting and raving. You don't have to rely on some ritualistic process here to get, Lord, to get God to speak or to react on you in your behalf or in your life. You see? It says, then the fire of the Lord fell. Verse 40, he closes and said, And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Okay? And there's no reason to go feeling sorry for these people. These were, were, were demonic devil worships, worshippers, Satanists, if you will, in more modern parlance. parlance um, and they certainly were not worshipping God. So we see here now, so getting back to this thing, finding strength in time of need, and talking about how we have seen mighty things happen in our past, you know. I mean, we never called down the fire of God to kill 400, you know, <laughs> to, to sacrifice the bullet. 
But at the time, you had something going on in your life that was particularly troubling and was particularly bothersome to you. It certainly felt as something that you could not overcome. So, and you saw in your life how God did come through, you know, and do something for you and take you out of a situation and deliver you. Well, Elijah obviously went through this very, very powerful time in his life, okay? But then we see here now, in going to chapter 19... And again, now, bearing in mind, we should always be thinking back about what God has done for us and how God showed us, you know, brought us through and delivered us from difficult situations. In chapter 19, starting with verse number 1, okay, um, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, of course. You know, a little wimpy guy. I don't know if you know the story of Ahab and Jezebel, how their marriage, how things played out there. But he went running straight to Jezebel. This is what happened. Okay, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. So in other words, when Jezebel heard about it, he, he, she sent a threat to Elijah, saying that I'm going to kill you. All right? The same that you did to them, I'm going to do to you. All right? and, so it's, and when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. Verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Okay? Now, here is a man who just called down the fire of God against all odds and consumed that sacrifice. He saw what God did. Yet still, this little woman sends one threat to him. And what does he do? He goes running, like a coward, running scared. This mighty man of God, Elijah. All right? So when things like that happen in your life, do not, um, you know, minimize yourself or, or get so discouraged because of the fact that you all of a sudden feel fearful because something new or some other challenge is coming up in your life. Because it also happened to Elijah, even though Elijah saw what God did a few minutes ago, uh, a little while back. So the same thing can happen to us. And right away he's thrown up his hand and said, Oh God, why don't you just take my life? Verse number 5, and it says, And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. All right. So in the meantime, while he was going through this period of feeling so uncertain and so afraid, God was still providing for him, you see. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the same way he, God provided for Elijah, even though at this time he was feeling fearful, God still provides for us during the time that we are feeling fearful. During the time, whenever this thing is that you may be waiting for, you're waiting for it to come to pass, or there's some challenge that is going on, God will bring you through that time, and he will also provide for you, as he's doing here. And then he told him to also to rise up and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. So what he's saying there is the work that has to be done is going to be challenging for you. Amen? He's saying that what the work that has to be done is going to be challenging for you. 
but I'm going to provide for you. All right. So if there's something out there that you're waiting for, that you're praying for, that is challenging you right now, until you get to where God wants you to be, God will provide for you. You see, and what he's telling, same way he's telling Elijah, he told him to eat because you need strength. Well, God oftentimes says to us, continue eating because you need strength. You know, now this does not mean that God is necessarily going to send a flock of ravens to, to feed us or plant us beside water. But he will say whatever that food is that you need. Need, such as spiritual food, God will give it to you. God will give you guidance. God will give you the words from Holy Spirit to take you to where you need to be. And God knows that what lays before you may be a challenge. It may be a journey. You know, God knows everything that is about to come into our lives. God knows if the bottom is about to drop out. God knows if we're going to be spiritually challenged and attacked. God knows if we're going to be physically attacked. Okay? But if you are in prayer with God, and if, you know, the song we sang this morning, Open Our Eyes and Open Our Ears, if you truly are praying when we're saying when we're singing those songs and you're truly saying God open my eyes because I want to see open my ears because I want to hear when these times are coming into into your life you will have discernment you will have a revelation of what is about to come you see and God is saying that even if it does become challenging I'm going to feed you and at the time many times God will say be prepared because the things to come are going to be challenging all right so we need to make sure that we're feeding on him, that we're taking spiritual food from him, because God knows the time coming up here is going to be challenging, but I will indeed take you through it. I will take you through it. So then he goes on to say here um, in verse number um, 8, And he arose and did eat and drink, and went on and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. So you see how long God sustained him, 40 days and 40 nights. And he came there unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? He's asking, what, what are you doing in this cave, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down your altars, and slain your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Please in the line, uh, and I am the only one left, and they seek my life to take it away. You know, many times does that feel like you? You know, you feel like there's so much going on around me and so many challenges against me that I am the only one that's being strong enough here in the Lord. And even people are trying to take that away from me. Amen. And, and you know, as you say, and they seek my life. And God says again to him in verse number 11, and he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Please in the line, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Please underline it if you don't have it already underlined. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. All right, and so underline, please. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. All right, and let's pause there and, and just for a second. I want to go back. Um, verse number 11 here where he said in the beginning, and he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. This is where God is saying to him to go forth and be prepared to hear from me, you know. And many times God will tell us that also, you know, to be prepared, um, be, be prepared to hear from me. But guess what? 
if we are not hearing God, then we can't be aware of the fact that God is saying to go and be prepared to hear from me. All right? So you need to make sure that you're hearing from God, that you're able to hear God, you're able to sense when God is telling you, stay tuned in essence, stay tuned, because there's a message that I'm going to give you. There's some direction that I'm going to give you. Okay? So at the end of verse number 12, and after the fire, a still small voice. All right? So, um, and the Lord was not in the fire. It says, and after the fire, a still small voice. Now please put a bookmark there, and let's go to Psalm 46.10. And all of us should remember what that psalm is. Psalm 46, verse 10. Psalm 46, verse 10. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I talk a lot about memorizing the Bible and so on like that, but if it's not deep within your spirit, then intellectually memorizing the Bible doesn't help much, but... Uh, memorizing verse 46.10 is one that we should all have on the tip of our lips. 46.10 is, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Alright? So when God said to him here back in... First Kings, you can go back to First Kings, and after the fire, a still, small voice. Many times when God is talking to us, and when we are having a troublesome time, when there is something going on in our lives, when there is something pending in our lives that really has us concerned and upset, remember that God will not always make his revelation knowledge to you in some earth-shattering way. God may not always just in a booming voice tell you, stop, don't do that, or pick up the phone and call so-and-so, but in that still, small voice. So that's why we need to make sure that we know how to be still and know that God is God, okay? And if we can't do that, then the things that come up in our lives, the challenges that come to us in our lives, we will always have a hard time dealing with them because we don't, don't know how to be still, you know. And in this day and age, it's really, it's very, very challenging to do because of the society that we live in. Everything is so fast-paced. Everything is instantaneous. We very rarely, you know, our work schedules, our home schedules, our children, our school, it's this and that. Um, everything has us going so much. How much time do we have to be still and know that God? God is God. Amen. So he told Elijah, he said, go out and stand on the mount and be prepared because I'm going to speak to you. Okay. And then it says, and after all of the rumbling and the shaking and the earthquake, God wasn't there. But after the fire came a still small voice. And it was so in verse 13. And it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, what doest thou here, Elijah? See that? He came back and said again, Why are you hiding? Right. So, why are you feeling as a child of God that the situation that lays before you is so difficult? Why are you as a child of God, in essence, kind of hiding because you're fearful that things are not going to work out for you in your life? You know, when things and challenges come up like that, remember that the answer to what you're looking for can oftentimes be found in God's still small voice. 
There's not going to be, as I said before, there's not going to be some huge earth-shattering sound or something to happen. Not necessarily. There will, but, but if you're looking for that still, small voice, God can be speaking to you. All right? And I love the way he simply said, okay, now I say again to you, he's saying in essence, what doest thou here, Elijah? So if you have been listening to God, and if you've been following God, but yet still this thing that is in your life is troubling you to the point where you're being fearful, where you're not where you're worried about where things are going to go and how things are going to work out. And if you stop and run into your prayer closet and slow down and pray, you may hear God say to you, what are you doing here? Why are you hiding? In other words, why are you fearful? Why are you fearful? Elijah saw the power of God. Elijah, through, 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 through challenges, wetting the wood and the sacrifice, simply said a prayer, and God sent the fire from heaven. In your past life, you saw God do things that were beyond, quote-unquote, reason, or beyond what others would have accepted as being, oh my gosh, how did that ever happen? How did you do that? How did that happen with you? Boy, you got that position, or you got that house, you got this, you got that. How did it happen to you? Okay, and it was God. So God showed himself in a miraculous way in your life. So when this other thing comes along, don't do like Elijah and run off and say, Oh God, why don't you just take my life? Get me out of this situation. Amen? Amen? Because God will say to you, if you're listening, I want you to go to the mountaintop and listen and be still. All right? So now, so then after that, he comes back and says, Elijah, now, what doest thou here? All right? And then verse 14 again, and he said, I have been very jealous of for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, am only one left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on the way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest upon Hazael to be king over Syria, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat and Ademelomanah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy stead. And it shall come to pass that him that escapes the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. All right? So in verse 14, in verse 15, they underlined the word go. All right? Because this is where now is the assignment. So when you're saying that prayer, when that thing is going on that is troubling you, and if you're listening for that still small voice and God is speaking to you, many times God may say to you, be prepared, go. This is what I want you to do. And then you have to carefully listen to the instructions. Carefully listen to what God is saying to you to do. Do no more and do no less. All right? So he gave him a whole list of things to do. God lays out the, the, uh, the mission here. And then in 17, it shall come to pass that him that escapes the sword of Hazel and Jehu slay, and him that escapes the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which have not kissed him. All right? So he's saying that, that there are 7,000 that are still in Israel that have not given in to this demonic, uh, to this demonic uh, 
thing that's going on here with uh, everyone following Baal. There are only 7,000 out of all of those people. Verse number 19, <coughs> excuse me. So he departed from Israel and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and was plowing, uh, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he with the tw- uh, and he with the 12th. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. In other words, his mantle was his like cloak his garment and casting the mantle was a symbolic way of anointing him okay so he blessed him and threw his mantle upon him and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said let me I pray thee kiss my father and my mother then I will follow thee and he said unto him go back again for what have I done to thee and he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people and they did eat then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. All right? So God, so God ministered to Elijah. Elijah followed verbatim exactly what God said to do. So again, as I was saying here uh, in the opening, when you're feeling that sort of stress or, or, or lack of strength and you're wondering where to get strength from, and first of all, remember that God brought you through many, many things before. God brought you through circumstances, God delivered you, God blessed you with things when you were most in need. So you know the mighty things that God can do in your life. At least I hope you haven't forgotten them, you know. One thing that many Christians do sometimes is that after God blesses them, they just kind of pick up and move on and never reflect back on how God did indeed bless them, you know. And when you are blessed, I hope everyone really, really gives thanks to God, give the glory to God. Because if you receive from God and God does a miracle, does a great thing in your life, and you don't give him the honor and the glory, then first of all, you're not not being right by God. Amen? So think back and reflect on what God has done for you, knowing that if God did this for you before and blessed you with that and brought you through a really challenging situation, that whatever lies ahead, God will certainly do again. And don't get into a pity party like Elijah and say, Oh, Lord, I just give up. Why don't you just take me off the planet? Let me just go home to be with you. I don't have to be concerned with these things of this life and so on. And then listen for that still, small voice. You know, God is God, as I always say. God can speak to you however he pleases. I mean, and he could speak to you in a booming voice. But what I'm saying is, don't expect for your life to be guided by waiting for God to give you that big, booming voice. You know, and don't go hide in a cave the way Elijah did. Go on and, and, and get into your prayer closet and speak to God and listen for that still, small voice. Because many times that will be the way that God will indeed guide you. Praise God. I hope this message has been a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.